Welcome to the Wayne Shuffle, the Inverness Caledonian Thistle fan podcast. The podcast with more pomp than Pogba, more righteousness than Ronaldo and more baps than Mbappe. In this pod we preview the new season, say hello to some new and not so new faces, say goodbye to some stalwarts, discuss what dodgeball actually means, take a look at the league opposition and hear from some footballers that are itching to play some football. All that and 27 years worth of ICT references packed into an hour of wild conjecture and mild distraction. Cali Thistle are back, the shuffle is back. This is a fucking business. What did Tarzan see when he found his screwdriver? There's it. Welcome one and all to a brand new season. I'm Andrew Moffat and joining me today as we bask in the flickering embers of the Euros and look forward to the roaring, warming hearth that is the new season is... Eurozone, Andrew Young, hello. Hi, nice to be back. Eurovision, Andrew Sutherland, hiya. <laughs> you always give me the best ones, I feel so privileged. You're getting it, Stevie Riley. <laughs> <laughs> hello. And, and Eurotrash, Ross McKenzie. Uh, <laughs> right, uh, before, we do, before we do what we're here to do, the Euros, what's, what's been your highlights? Were, were you even watching it? How did Indonesians Ryan Christie and Stuart Armstrong get along? Are, are there any Highland links that you've Discovered, does Mancini get his gear from Brook Tavener? Is Ronaldo just a Marco de Barros wannabe? Uh, and just how worrying is it that Lyndon Dykes came up for some extra striker coaching from McCann and Dodds just prior to the tournament? Well, I was lucky enough to, to be at the two Hamden games. Um, the two Scotland games at Hamden got completely caught up in the hype. Um, and we could, like all Cali Thistle fans, I believe strongly in magic because um, I've seen magic occur so many times watching Cali Thistle and I believed that it it could occur in one of those games and obviously it didn't but I, I think I loved the idea of the games as much as actually the games themselves the fact that they existed the fact that the point at Wembley meant the Croatia game was you know you win and you're through it was it was a great occasion and um, we had those minutes after McGregor scored the goal um, actually Hamden was good for 10 minutes. It was pretty pish over the two games, to be honest. Not just because of the 12,000, but Hamden crowds are always quite moany and pish. Um, on, the, on, on the Indonesian connection, I think Ryan was a victim of the style of play. He, you know, he didn't do anything wrong against Czech. Um, just there was lots of long balls. It wasn't a game he was going to be able to get involved in. And even at that, he showed a wee, a wee flash, fashioned a chance out of nothing, and then got body checked by Stephen O'Donnell. And that was the... <laughs> End of his tournament, pretty much, and Armstrong was pish in the home games. Um, he was playing a really kind of constrained, disciplined position that Clark had him play, and it wasn't his game. Yeah, I thought Christie was unlucky to be sacrificed, you know, really. Yeah, I know that Clark had to make a change, but I thought the three times he did actually get on the ball when we weren't just punting it along to Dykes, he did really well. You know, he set up Robertson for that shot that was tipped over, skinned the check left back and put in that ball that kind of led to McTominay being tripped as well. Um, so, yeah, I think he was fine. In terms of highlights, just Italy all round, I think have been absolutely fantastic. The way they play, the way they press so high, the way they just don't give anyone a minute. And then when they're actually, um, when they're in possession, their passing is so slick and fast and they're absolutely fantastic. It's exactly the way football should be played at the moment. I have enjoyed them. I, I think, I don't know if you agree, boys, but this is probably the first major tournament where there's, there's not really been a standout player. You know, if you're, I know Ronaldo scored a couple of goals, but there's penalties in there, but Mbappe was quite all the sort of superstars you think would maybe step out. It's been a 
been a good tournament, but it's mainly the teams that I've been impressed with. You know, like the Czech Republic, although we we thought we could easily beat them in the first game, turned out a decent team. Um, like the Denmark, obviously, starting their way through the group stages with the Ericsson situation. No, I still think that will win it, and uh, yeah, they've looked the most impressive so far. That's that's who I've been supporting due to my uh, my in-laws being being Italian. So. Well, personally, I, I quite enjoyed um, Leon Goretzka getting it right up the um, homophobic um, Hungary supporters with his um, late equaliser against them was it a week or so ago, just kind of running up to them and giving them the uh, love heart symbol. Well, I've not been that fast since we went out. I just want to go back to see Cali games now. Well, you know, if, if, you're, if you genuinely, you know, you get most of your Scottish football um, analysis or some of your Scottish football analysis and coverage from this pod, then you must have been looking forward to the to the professional uh, job you got from STV and their coverage on Raman Barwaj, the robot Raman Barwaj and his, <laughs> his auto cue speaking. So more coming up in the pod later on. Goodbye. See you after this. You got no solo rubber bumpers. Spit that. Well, well. Okay, we speculated over who might be the manager. Um, the club interviewed a number of candidates before deciding that the best man for the job was the man under their very own, very noses. He's only five foot seven, Mr. Billy Dodds. Um, here's what he had to say when he was appointed. Just looking forward to starting so much. Uh, looking forward to getting back to work. Um, it's been a really good day for me, and. Uh, uh, the, Proud, really proud that I'm here and, and ready to go. You know, you, you come to clubs sometimes, it takes a while to get to know them. I know most of the players here, I uh, got in great with them the last time, we got success and I'll be looking to continue that. Um, so really looking forward to seeing the boys again, adding a few, putting a squad together that is capable of going challenging in, uh, in this championship. And you know it's a difficult league, just with what we had the last time. It, it made my mind up to, to come back here and try and get a bit more of that. I'm hoping to play an attacking brand of football. I've always done that. Every team I've been at, whether it's a number two or a coach or interim manager, I've always played attacking football. I like wingers. I like trying to create. Um, I like creating chances. I want my teams up on the game. Um, I, I just want to try and uh, give them a brand of football that they enjoy watching. The new head coach here speaking when he was appointed. He's got 26 Scotland caps, played for Rangers, Aberdeen, Dundee United and Chelsea. He's been assistant at Queen of the South, Dundee and Ross County. But other than a brief caretaker spell as manager with United in 2006, he hasn't been a manager in his own right before. Why now? Why now? Is it just that we, uh, we're the first club to kind of offer? You know, maybe he had always been content being a, an assistant manager before he'd done a decent job. Obviously, there was something of a setback when Dundee supporters um, didn't want him under McIntyre, their loss, you know, as they find out to their cost. Um, he comes in as an assistant manager again, does by all accounts an excellent job. Um, Scott Gardner, John Robertson look at that and say, why not Billy Dodds? We offer him the job he takes it. You know, it's just, it's hopefully happy circumstances. So is this is this an easy appointment? Would you say because of his geographical location, or is it a risky appointment? It's hard, maybe, not to think like that. Um, I mean, I certainly do. I'm kind of glass half empty a lot of the time, anyway. Um, but you know, it's hard not to argue that when he came on board last season, there was an uptick in performances um, with him and McCann uh, in the dugout, 
And I think, um, I remember reading or maybe someone mentioned to me, I'm, I'm not too sure, but I'm sure, was there not something mentioned about how he, he helped to steer McCann away from his insistence on playing the ball out from the back? I mean, basically, he's, he obviously sees things that he thinks can benefit the team. So if he sees that as an assistant manager and hopefully he can transition to manager and kind of obviously retain and improve on, on that kind of like knowledge and understanding of the game. Um, and, you know, whilst it's his first managerial uh, gig, it's not like we've not got a history of doing that in the past before, like obviously like Robbo uh, coming in first time round and also Craig Brewster as well. So, yeah, hopefully he can kind of follow in their footsteps um, with his kind of first job as a manager with us. For me, it was really the only appointment um, he came in and he displayed a knowledge of the of the division, established a shape and a style that was first and foremost about getting results in this division. Um, you know, we've got a vacancy. We've got a guy there who displayed those attributes and that knows the strengths and weaknesses of the squad. Um, we managed to, by appointing them early, we've got a chunk of recruitment done really early. I, and I reckon almost every player in that squad, and we'll hear later listening to Tom Walsh and Manny Duku, who are two of the very few players that haven't already worked with Dodds in our squad, but they already know exactly how Dodds want us to play and exactly what their their roles are going to be. Um, so, you know, everything, the, the, the appointment is designed to give us a good, strong start. Well, we, we know a lot about Billy Dodds. What can we expect from Dodds Ball? That's what I'm calling it. Dodds Ball? 4-4-2, 4-3-3, wingers, Euro-style three at the back. What type of football will we be watching, Stevie? I think, well, we're going with the signings we've made, and obviously with Anthony McDonald in there before, but I think it's old-fashioned 4-4-2. If you look at the boys who signed up front, I mean, Billy Dodd, uh, Billy Dodd, Billy McKay, sorry, plays better off of two. I think when Billy McKay was on form for ICT version one, four and was still playing, you know, but it's four and knocked down Billy McKay goal, and I think... He sees a sort of partnership with Duku, who's been the, the target man or the bigger guy up front with me, with, with Dodge for um, Dodge with Mikhail coming off him. But yeah, with the signs he's made with, with Gardine, you've also got um, Anthony McDonald on the other side. I think it could be a straightforward 4 4 2, and if it is, I'd be delighted. I mean, when's the last time we saw us go two up front? So it's a positive move, and yeah, let's hope it happens. I think it'll be four four one one like it was last season. So um, one one of the strikers yeah. will drop quite a lot deeper, and you know he's got Mackay, Duku, Sutherland, and I do think Walsh and Garding could play as a second striker if required. Um, mm-hmm. My concern about so Dodds will play with a flat midfield, um, with a flat four, with the wide players doing loads of running, lots of expectation and walking, working back, and you do worry that we don't have slash haven't signed the wide players best equipped to do that. Tom Walsh, for all his attributes, doesn't have the best maybe positional di- positional discipline or tracking back rate. Gardine being the age he is, you know, they'll they'll have the positional side of it, but are they going to be bombing up and down the sides? Aaron Doran, the same goes. He's got the experience and the discipline, but he's not going to be running up and down like Dan Mackay was last season. Yeah. Is that maybe a focus on the wing backs then Ross? Maybe that we expect the wing backs to push further up and then obviously the boys can tuck inside in the middle. Ideally, I mean, if we're talking about Harper and Carson, then they will be quite forward-thinking. Um, yeah. So maybe maybe that is where the width comes from, and actually your Doran um, or your Gardiner, whoever it is, actually is quite quite tucked in. And I also think that both Walsh and certainly Anthony McDonald can probably be taught, you know, to play that more kind of aggressive, um, driving forward wing role, kind of trying to hit the byline more. You know, Walsh was doing that a little bit in the second season. 
you, well, he was popular with the players last season. Do you think it'll be difficult for him to make that transition from being their mate to being the guy who's leaving them out of bench, leaving them on the bench, and leave them out of squads entirely? He will know, and he should be able to communicate to the players that any decision he makes is for the good of the team. Um, that if they react to it in the wrong way, then it's their problem. If he makes the wrong decision or is scared to make a decision because he's afraid of being unpopular, he's not the right man for the job. You know, but as it stands, you know, people in all sorts of jobs, you know, whether that's something like a, a, a teacher or a doctor or a policeman or something like that, all those are jobs now where people are trying to be kind of um, supportive to people and be someone who's a trusted figure, but they still have to make difficult decisions that people won't be happy with. I don't think football managers should be any different. What gives us the advantage in having Billy Dodds as manager when other teams have got Peter Grant and, and Brian Rice and, and Ian McCall's? What's the advantage that Dodds brings to this football team? I think last season, it was clearly the pragmatism. It was, you know, he doesn't have any preconceived ideas about how we should play, I don't think. I think he, his ideas come from what he thinks is going to be effective in the league. So pragmatism, continuity, that knowledge of having come in at the stage he did, assessing the squad, knowing what to add to it, um, the and the camaraderie that we we always benefit from because of the fact that we're so far away from the other teams. We're up and down on the bus. Every single player that we've heard from over the summer has stressed how strong the spirit is. Um, and Billy Dodds is part of that, knows how to handle it. So... Um, just not being an outsider at this point is his, is his main attribute, I think. It's really like um, Aberdeen Brian Glasson, isn't it, last season? It's like giving you a, a little sneak peek into the team and um, it probably gives him a head start for this season. He knows the boys that are currently there and, yeah, it's not a bad thing. Crucial we get off to a good start then, like Ross says. Okay, Stevie, will we get him on the pod? Could we get him to do sit down for 20 minutes on a live recording with us one Saturday night or something? Already asked him, yeah, he's up for it. Yeah, he's listened to the pod and... Uh, yeah, I'm sure he'll do it at some point, yeah. Well, that'd be great. On um, a Saturday night when we're all gubbed after a game, man. Well, he will be too, presumably. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't look like a man that's scared of a pint, to be honest. Well, that's true, actually, yeah. Where'd you want to drink? Well, 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 the Glen Alvin, the Sicilian, the Jolly Trooper, the Castle Talker, Cupcake Jockster, Dives at Gallon, the City Bar, number 27, Phoenix Waters, Love to Love, Cake Exchange, and Mambo's Hush, Peepees, TVs, Johnny's, Riley's, Bergies, Kilmore, Hoop, and Annie's. Players in most summers in recent memory has been spent saying who and Googling most of the club's new signings, finding out that Charlie Trafford played 50 games plus in Finland and he once scored a 30-yarder, 30, 30 so he, he must be good. But this summer has not been a normal summer. Welcome the household names, stuff that is in your house. Billy Mackay, he would be flash, flash bang goal. He scores when he wants, except on loan spells. It's Billy Mackay, 65 goals for the club in 157 games. Uh, fourth highest scorer in ICTFC history. Um, the opposing arguments here are A, we're signing a striker who will guarantee his goals, and B, he's passed it. Um, C, no county rejects. What, what do you all ascribe to? When we first signed Billy, I got a, a cold sort of shudder down my spine uh, to the morning of the Hamilton game when we got relegated. The, the euphoria that we'd uh, signed Billy Mackay and the confidence that we were going to that game against Hamilton only to be absolutely pummeled. and. Uh, yeah, that was the start of the relegation. But no, Billy McKay version three, I think it's a good signing. I think for the championship, I don't know if Billy's probably cut out for the premiership now at his age. And uh, although we've chipped him with a couple of goals last season for McKay, I think it's, it's another safe one. He, he doesn't want to leave the area. He's uh, he settled up there and uh, 
yeah, we know we know what we can do. So it's just, it's a safe sign in who I think will score goals at, at our level. Yeah, I agree. I think we've missed a wee bit kind of composure, kind of game intelligence, someone making the right runs in and around the box the last couple of seasons. And although he might not be quite as prolific, he might not be on um, balls quite as quickly as he was, you know, eight years ago, he's not going to lose all that sort of stuff. You know, he creates space for other people. Um, I think we might get from him what we hope we would get from Keatings and didn't get from Keatings quite enough. You know, Keatings was an intelligent player, but he was quite often either dropping a little bit too deep or didn't seem to know exactly what he was doing or maybe taking things on when he shouldn't have done. I think Mackay's kind of judgment and um, and movement around the box is just a little bit better. So I, I think he could be a really, really important player for us this season. Yeah, I think that's a good point about his yeah. intelligence. He just, yeah, I mean, obviously his main job is to score goals, but his hold-up play is still pretty good. His movement off the ball is still excellent. And I just kind of think he's, he's a kind of poacher type forward that, you know, if we had had him last season, I know obviously Todorov kind of came good towards the end, but I do kind of wonder, you know, what, what would Mackay have been like feeding off Scott Allen's balls, um, you know, through uh, for him to kind of like Come chase... Come on! <laughs> Come on! That one slide, we've got to pop in with that one. Come on! <laughs> um, feeding, feeding off Scott Allen's balls. It's Golden balls. You're all so... Get out of the gutter. Get out of the gutter. Um, if you look at his stats, actually, for the last couple of seasons, he... I think it works out that he scored like one in three still for county. So if you sort of take those numbers down mm. a division, you would you would you would expect that he you know if he does score one in three at our level, which you, you would imagine he would, that's still giving you what twelve to fifteen goals, yeah, twelve fifteen goals a season, and if which is you know double what um, Jordan White was getting, and mm. even more than what Todorov was getting, and Todorov obviously only scored in sort of two. Um, two fits and starts really so if you look at it just like boiled down to brass tacks he guarantees you goals he guarantees you double figures how many players in Scottish football or British football are you going to get to come to Inverness and guarantee you double figures yeah well we, we, we need to obviously give him some good service so hopefully you know you look at the players we've got on the team you're Dorans um, Gardine uh, McDonald Walsh, you know, hopefully they can all maybe put in a few, you know, good crosses, you know, play yeah. a, f- a few through balls for him. You know, it's going to yeah. his his success rate is going to be determined by good pl- players creating good chances for him. Sorry, if you look at the guys he signed, just like you say, sub Gardine creates chances. Um, Walsh, fantastic crosser of the ball. Roddy through balls. Um, even Welsh from a deeper position, great passes. That's four different avenues, not including long balls, that Billy McKay is going to get chances. Now, he's going to bang him in. Like, if he doesn't, then, then he will be done. But I don't think he's done, as evidenced by his, his goal record. Um, let's move on. Tom Walsh, what would he be? He'd be L'Oreal, you're worth it. He's back from here with his beautiful hair. It's Tom Walsh. Let's, Stevie sat down and had a, had a word with him. Let's hear what he had to say. More than delighted to be back up here. It's a place I've always really enjoyed, the place itself, the club, and... And as I said, I've enjoyed my football there. So uh, just looking forward to getting back to that and, and thankful again that the club have been happy to have me back. First season, probably more successful than the, the, the second one, obviously, due to more game time. How did you how did you see your first season? Obviously, we get a good run in the Scottish Cup, get a wee Hamden visit out of that. So how was yeah. that? Oh, it, was, it was a great season. Um, a brilliant changing room. You know, uh, never a dull moment with that changing room. Brilliant boys in there, um, really good characters. And... Uh, I we just we just had a, a really good team spirit and um, 
yep, consistent in the league. We'd, I think we'd have quite a few draws at the start. Um, and I think if we'd turned a few of them, it's could have, should have, but if we turned a few of them into wins, we could have been even further up. I know we finished third, but no, just a, a great team. And we just did a real good momentum. And um, for myself, I just I managed to go on a, I think it was a Partick away game, scored the goal. And then from there, I just managed to go on a great, kind of a good spell of goals. Um, you know, the mo- probably the best kind of games to goal ratio I've had in my career. So, um, yeah, just momentum and um confidence for that and just building on it and uh, no, it was, a, it was a great team a great kind of unit and everyone knew their jobs well Second season then a wee bit a wee, wee bit blight of injuries then how, how frustrating was that for you to spend a wee bit more time in the sidelines? I it was difficult to be honest um, kept coming back same thing was happening trying to get to the bottom of it really frustrating and obviously you're up here you know when you're up here yourself and it's um it's difficult to be honest when you're you know when you're fit and playing everything's great you know it's unbelievable as a footballer and they'll tell you when you're fit and playing every week it's absolutely brilliant see when you're injured it's it's tough and on top of that you're away from home and stuff so but listen that's that's the way it was and it was it was frustrating um and what was frustrating was when i was coming back from injury um i just felt as if i was just getting back to kind of play my best stuff and then the, the lockdown hit so it's just typical uh, I, I went down the road um, because I kind of, well, we were all guessing, weren't we? But I just, I thought, well, it could be a long time, you know. So um, I just decided to go down and, um, uh, yeah, it just didn't seem as if we were going to be back anytime soon at that point. I mean, I'd heard rumours you were signing. A few a few rumours came about. I, I didn't see it coming. Um, I was pleasantly surprised when you, when, you, when you were announced. So how did it come about then? Were the club in touch with you before Billy was on board? Or was it, has it all happened pretty recently? Well, listen, I think obviously everyone knows that uh, the, I'm saying the gaffer, John Robertson and uh, and Billy are obviously working closely and obviously John John and uh, Scott know me from before. So I think they were all, you know, they were all happy to to, to have me back and um, Billy's obviously based up here. So he's done a lot of games for Inverness as he does with County. So um, yeah, I think he knows me as a player and I'm hoping that Having spoken to him, I think his style could really suit me. So, um, yeah, hopefully he can get the best out of me again as well. And he, he's spoken about obviously me as a winger and what he wants from his wingers. Um, definitely need to be fit because he wants you working back the way as well, helping in defence and also up in attack. Um, I think he, he's won loads of crosses, and um, obviously as a striker himself, that's what he thrived off. So I think he want his strikers. You know, getting in as many, you know, the more, the more crosses, the more chances for your strikers that they can take. So, um, yeah, it'll be pressure to deliver good crosses and and pressure to work back and everything he demands. But that's what he said, he'll demand a lot, but he'll, it'll be enjoyable. And, uh, yeah, that, that, that's what you want. That's all you want because you want the demands on you because it, it brings the best out of you. Uh, you'll know a few of the boys, obviously, from your first spell that are still there. So, your opinion, obviously, with some players that came in, do you think the squad's capable of... I mean, at least getting into the playoffs. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. There's a great kind of spine there in the squad. Um, a lot of boys still there and on contracts as well are going to be in the future. So, um, no, definitely. I think the team is more than capable. You've seen the, the run they went on last season. Um, and again, as I said, just missed out. Um, I think probably for Inverness, the, the game's getting called off and all the rest of it probably didn't help them at the start of the season. And just as they were hitting their peak, you know, it was the season was coming to a close. So, no, no, there's absolutely no reason why we can't be up in those playoffs. And 
And again, we want to push, try and push even further than that, and, and we'll see where, where that takes us. And then uh, something you never experienced last season, and uh, I will just, we'll just call last season null and void, right? But playing in front of fans this season, how excited are you to get, get booed and cheered and thoughts uh, <laughs> thrown at you? Probably for me after a few beers, mate. But how, um, how, how good is that going to be for you and the boys? Oh, buzzing, honestly. Any any boy will tell you, you know, plays football, cannot wait to get the fans back. It really does give you a wee lift. Um, just gives you that wee kind of edge that you can't really explain, really. You know, when you come out of the, the tunnel kind of thing, you get a wee buzz. So, um, no, I can't wait. And again, hopefully all going well, we will. We'll get back to full houses and um, and that's what we all want. And as yourself, obviously, as a fan, you, I bet you can't wait to get back in yourself. During his first spell at the club, Tom played 68 games and scored 13 goals. He hit 3-18 in, in another partly injury-ravaged season for air last campaign. Um, what's behind his move back to Inverness? Riley, having spoken to him, and what can we expect from him this time round? I think, I think the, the part of the reason he left was, and he said in an interview, was when COVID struck, I think he got a bit homesick, and uh, I think he maybe thought the grass was greener by moving back down the road. He, he loved it up in Inverness, but obviously when he couldn't play football and his, his, his missus was down the road at the time and family, he thought maybe it's the simplest thing is go back down, safe move, going to Erie from Ayrshire. But um, yeah, and in his interview, he always talked about his love for the town and the club and I don't think he'd, he would have left if we had, hadn't had a pandemic. And uh, he's got a point to prove because first season, Wolf was superb. Second season, Blighty Benjury. And that was a case at the beginning of the season we here. But he's a strong finish to the season and uh, looks like those injuries sort of problems are behind him. And uh, yeah, he's ready yeah. to go. I think I used to be quite harsh on him sometimes because you could see just how talented he actually was. You know, in classes, you know, there were times when he, you know, he looked really unplayable, really, really quick, you know. Um, really good shot on him. And then you'd have games where he didn't seem to, you know, do much for an hour, 75 minutes sort of thing. But what you want him to be really, if we're going to challenge for the league this season, is you want him to be our creative talisman, you know, with that pace and that ability to beat a man that he's got. You want him to be Hayes or Bingham. And his goals. And, what is that? And his goals. And his goals, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. He, he's got a great shot on him as well, you know. And, you know um, so I think, you know, you want him to be Hayes or Bingham. And I would love it if he just, you know, came came onto that sort of form this season. You know, mm-hmm. um, you don't want to be too harsh on the guy, you know, because I'm sure he will contribute really well. But I want him to, I want him to absolutely shine. I think it all depends on the muscle injuries, though, doesn't it? That that was his downfall. That's what stopped him from developing into a player that would have got the signing up to the Premier League that he was obviously hoping for when he left us. And um, Moffs asked why. Why? Why has this move come about? I can only assume it's the best offer he had. Um, you know, injuries hampered him again at air. We know in Inverness just how much potential he has. Um, there's there's a level of quality there, a level of creativity that we struggle to attract. And because he's been up, he finds it easier to make the move. He's he's. But I assume it's just the best contract that was available. If he can stay fit, he can have a great season. If he can stay fit for a whole season. But we just have to hope that the yeah. the prehab has uh, has sorted out his muscles. He can be the best winner in the league. 
I, I do kind of wonder if maybe this this is also part of the reason why we've brought in this um, sports scientist. Obviously, it's an area off the pitch that, as we pointed out before on previous pods, that we're kind of lacking compared to some other teams. But, you know, if we're going to be bringing in players like Walsh, we've already got Doran, Welsh, McDonald, who unfortunately do have some issues with injuries, then hopefully uh, having a sports scientist on, on, on the um, kind of off-field team will potentially help mitigate any uh, potential injury issues arising again. Yeah. Um, and we get the best out of them. Is McDonald just as an aside? Has McDonald started preseason? Is he part of the group, or is he still in recovery? No, no, I don't. He's on training at the moment, but he's up though. But he's separate training. Right. Okay. Uh, okay. Let's move on. Um, Michael Gardine. What would he be? Holland and Barrett glucosamine supplements. In May, he tweeted a photo of himself playing for a county, and the caption: "My club." That was before he privatised his Twitter page. <laughs> Well, Stevie managed to get him on the phone uh, after after many many attempts, and he had a wee word with him. And uh, normally, I'd, I like I start the interviews and you know I cut off maybe a question, and I'll have the the player start off. But I so much enjoyed the way that Stevie phrased this question. We'll kick off with a with a wee beezer from Stevie. <laughs> How does it feel? Uh, obviously, got the biggest team in hell is now got the big team and uh, play for in front of proper crowds now. Uh, it's good, obviously, um, the way things happened in the summer and that, um, it was a wee bit limbo for a few weeks, so mm. um, when the manager got in touch and stuff, and we had a few conversations over a couple of weeks and I came up and seen the club and stuff and I was looking forward to getting signed and, and getting started. Uh, to come to Cali, it was, it was that kind of no-brainer, you know, I, I've lived in, in the area for so long and, and mm. the chance to stay up here, I've got a couple of young kids up here, two young girls, um, so obviously staying up here fitted in that way as well and mm. obviously with Dodgy and his, his visions for the club going forward the next couple of years um, and he wanted me to come in and you know it was it was a no-brainer it was I never kind of thought about the county Cali thing or that you know for uh, county weren't too bored when they got rid of me so I was just concentrating on my future and, and providing for my kids I mean you did, you did a good season last year especially towards the end I mean like obviously scoring against Motherwell at the end of the season would be a bit well, I was surprised that they never offered your contract, but we know the way they delivered it wasn't the best, but were you surprised they never gave you anything? Aye, I was surprised, and obviously had a good end to season, scored against Kelly and, and Motherwell and stuff, but as football, you know, you, you see it happen to other other people over the years, and, you know, that is at the end of the day for a lot of clubs, it's just a business. Have you have you got a point to prove then? I mean, I, I, I suppose you've got nothing to prove to the county for all the goals and games you played for them, but is there a wee bit you t- wants to say, listen... Two fingers up to you for not giving me a contract and show them what they're missing? Um, nah, no really. I think um, I said that a couple of weeks ago. I've not got anything to prove to them. I've got records there that will never be broken, so they'll never hear the end of Michael Gardine. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, I, don't, I feel like I don't have anything to prove to anybody else or even myself. Mm. Um, I said this last week, it's it's the fire in my belly that's um, that's still there and still wants to go and perform at a high level. And, and that's the reason for signing for Cali and hopefully I could help the team uh, achieve what we want to do this season. You see a lot of lads coming in doing well and getting moves and stuff and that's great for the club but um, I think the club wanting to maybe move to the, the next step the next level, whether it's playoffs whether it's promotion um, you do need that balance um, of youth and experience and um, you know it's not just experience, it's like good experience players that have came in as well um, to, so to mix that with the good young players that the club have got it could only be good for, for the club as a whole No, I know and obviously you've, you've worked with the, the new gaffer before and I think 
it seems like a good positive experience in the training field. How's how's it work with you know Bert and some of the boys in the team? Is he you get a good positive influence? Aye, he does. Aye, um, you know he works well. He you know he demands a standard, and that's the way it's been since I've went in. And you know the lads have obviously worked on him for a few months last season, and you know you could tell it's when I first went in last week. They could tell they already had that kind of bond with the coaching staff and that, which was it's obviously good for going into the start of this season. And then looking at a team, then obviously I see you sort of down the right, and you can play both sides, obviously both footed stuff. Do you see your sort of best? Do the right hand side cut in, or is it another side or whatever they want to play? Aye, I've always uh, preferred kind of playing on the left, but um, you know, left, centre, right, just wherever I'm, I'm needed to do, to do a job, um, I'll be happy to play as long as I'm doing well in training and and playing in games and I'm and I'm assisting and getting the odd goal. Um, then I'll be happy. You know, it's all about the team. It's not about an individual. Um, as long as the team are winning every week, whoever's playing, whoever that may be, if I'm not in the team, anything I could do to help, whether it's coming on from the bench or whether it's helping young lads, um, you know, that's what I want to be doing. How do you feel playing for the big club now in front of, <laughs> of actual fans? <laughs> it took it well. Michael Gardine there, as an aside, I can exclusively reveal that the players will be allowed showers this season, but Gardine has asked for the installation of a Mobility Plus walk-in bath. Um, <laughs> what's, what's, what's he going to offer? What's he going to offer the team, Ay? I think what he'll offer is, obvi- I mean, obviously he has got um, tremendous experience and that'll be really helpful for a guy like Harper if he's playing ahead of Cameron Harper. He also, I mean, the county fans didn't want him to go. Um, he scores goals. He can still beat players. He's probably not as quick as he once was, but um, he's a very, very solid, intelligent, experienced winger. I, I think he could be, you know, a really important addition to the team, even if he doesn't play every single game. Uh, I think I agree with why. I think he's a sort of player that, yeah, a joke likes to boo him. I mean, we all hate him when he played for county, but he'll do a lot for the boys on the pitch and off the pitch, like the younger boys, even like Sir Roddy and stuff like that, who are still learning the game. He'll be. I mean, I think he's the best signing. I think he'll, he'll he'll play most games. I think. I think he's still pretty fit, and he was one of the better players at the end of the season last season for County. He scored those two vital goals against Motherwell and Kilmarnock, and uh, yeah, I think I think he'll be really good. And and as we spoke about before, he can play in two or three positions. I always thought he played in the right, but he said he plays playing in the left. He's a two foot player like Walsh is. We could swap them either side and gives us options. And as Ay said, he's got a goal in him as well. So yeah, good signing in my opinion. Yeah, I really like the pickup. Um, as Steve just said, there he can play pretty much anywhere across the kind of front line, really. Um, and as Verdi mentioned, with Doran McDonald struggling with injury more often than not, it's good to have that kind of um, you know uh, versatility across players like Walsh and, and, and Gardine as well. Uh, the thought of him with a kind of Cali Thistle scarf, wearing a, a Cali Thistle was a, a sweatshirt or a polo shirt or something. It was one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. Having like most of Inverness fans, you know, gotten uh, so used to booing him playing for Ross County um, but there was some of the reactions were quite um, interesting on social media uh, my favourite had to be someone who and I'm not sure they're being serious or not I think they might have been um, replied to someone else saying there will be unholy war if Gardine signs for Cali Thistle which I thought was a little bit extreme um, but I, I, I like the pick up he's, he's, he's really experienced he's going to be um, a great benefit in the changing room I think and I think as AY said because he got released by County when a lot of their fans thought he merited another deal, and he himself probably thought he merited another deal, yeah. 
he might be kind of thinking, okay, he can't really show Ross County directly what they're missing, but he might show that I've still got it. I'm going to try and really do something this season. Uh, he said he didn't have a point to prove in the interview, and he said it a few times in the press, but I think he has got a point to prove. I think I part think of the reason he signed for us is to, to get two fingers right up to them. And you know what? If he, if, if he has that mentality, then... Yeah, he's raging. He's still raging about not getting an extension at County. I thought that oh, yeah. came. I thought that came through clearly, despite yeah. protestations to the contrary. And the other yeah. thing, so that's great. And the other thing is, I, I, I have been told that he's looking really sharp in training. Not just fit; he's fit for a man who's about to turn thirty-six, but he's also sharp—a sharp forward player. Who's yeah, well, he, he might not have been playing every single week for Ross County last season, but you know the guy's what 35, 36, and he was still playing pretty regularly in the Scottish Premiership. Now people can slag off Scottish football all they want; you don't get an awful lot of thirty-five-year-olds playing in the Scottish Premiership. So he's obviously, he obviously looks after himself. Um, and whilst I think we might only get one year from the guy, I, I think we'll get a pretty decent year from him, to be honest. I like I like his little beard. I think he looks a bit like a magician. Um, <laughs> right, let's move on. Manny Duku, Ron Seal, big man, does what it says on the tin. Duku or do not? There is, is that right? Duku or do not? There is no try. Um, <laughs> uh, aside from the myriad of Star Wars references, I'm going to get into the pods this season if he scores any goals. Uh, let's see what the big man had to say for himself. My first couple of weeks of training has been quite okay, I would say. Um, obviously, pre-season is hard, but it's hard for everyone. So my first few weeks here has been very good, at, to be honest, because everyone has been so welcoming and the, the energy around the club is so positive. So, yeah, it's, it's very been good. It's been good. We'll talk a little bit about your, your career before, but what were your thoughts on, obviously, your spell at Wraith Rovers last season and then obviously playing against Inverness? How did you, how did you see your games against us? Yeah, playing against Inverness, um, I played, I think, one league game and the other two, obviously, unfortunately, I was on the bench the whole game. So, in mm-hmm. the cup game, I played them and scored twice. So, playing against them, I find that the team was a good, well-organised team. As you can see, we played them three times in the league. We didn't score one goal and we drew one and lost two. So, they are very organised. And, um, yeah, it was a very good team, young team as well. So that's why when, when I was thinking about my next move, I was really trying to go to a team who could possibly contend for this season mm-hmm. to go up. So, yeah, when playing there, playing against them, I thought they were a very good team and a young team that now has even more experience and, yeah, could possibly get promotion or whatever in this league. And, mm-hmm. yeah, my time at Red was, yeah, as you said, I started off well. Um, I had a good start of the season. I um, scored... Um, a few goals because I ended up being top scorer as well. So, And then after January, to be honest, the manager just didn't play me anymore because from January I had two starts and the communication was not there. So for me, it was just the second half of the season was not the greatest for me personally. But yeah, I just stayed positive because nothing lasts forever, as you know. (laughs) So yeah, Mm -hmm. I just stayed positive and just waited for, for whatever happens, happens. So, yeah, my time at Ray Rovers was a season of two halves, maybe possibly, arguably, the greatest half, first half, and maybe the worst second half of, of my career. So You've played in England and obviously you've played in Scotland. Is there any similarities between the two leagues? Do you find the Scottish League maybe, people say it's faster and maybe more physical up here, or is there, is there a bit of a difference? Yeah, it's just, no, nah, I don't really, because it's quite similar, I would say. Because if you look at conference, uh, the National League and League Two is quite similar to Scottish football. It's just 
football is all about battling and obviously the higher you go the more football there is but the lower you are the the more physical it is in any any league I would say so mm -hmm. I think yeah. it's quite similar Brilliant and I had a, a rumour is this true you, you, you've got some Scottish connections in your family you've got a your grandfather or grandmother was Scottish yeah my granddad my mom's my mom's dad is Scottish yeah my mom's dad is Scottish yeah Where's he from? Do you know which part of Scotland? Nah, so basically when my mom was um, little, my when my grandma was pregnant of my mom, they separated. So I didn't really have any mm -hmm. connection because obviously that's a few generations before, so it's hard mm -hmm. to find out. But I do know his surname is Mr. Galloway, so... Mr. Galloway, right? So that's not a fan. So you maybe you may get called Manny Galloway, mate. So <laughs> if you um, if you if you do well for Inverness, then could you play for Scotland? I think you would be eligible, wouldn't you? Exactly, exactly, exactly. You'll do so, better than Lyndon Dykes, than the Euros, my friend. So you never know. There might be, there might be a let, chance let, for you. Let's let's start in the championship first and have a good season, and then if we win the league, then obviously then we can be talking about whatever happens after. Is it a good balance between youth and and, and experience? Yeah, it's a great balance because youth always always brings energy as well. So mm -hmm. as you know, we need energy in the team, and 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 obviously as they are young, they still have experience from last year and maybe previous years so they're young but young with experience themselves so they know what's expected from this league and they know what they have to do to possibly get a push in this league because we all want to go up if young old no matter what age you are in this team everyone wants to get promoted so we all know what's expected and it's not that they're coming from uh, academy straight in here so they have been here in, in, in this league a year at least or maybe some of them a few more the younger ones, so so they know what's expected as well. So that's yeah, it's a good it's a good balance. You know, and then for you yourself, then where do you see yourself? Obviously, you're up top, and do you see yourself playing more as a two off another striker, or do you prefer one one up top? What's what's your sort of preferred position in in the front line? Yeah, I don't mind either uh, with two, with one. Obviously, with two, it's always nice to have a partnership. But at the start of the season, when we were at Wade Rovers, I was playing by myself up top. So, and so I've shown that I can do that as well. And together up top, obviously with with whoever's there, Shane, Billy, or maybe one of the midfielders who can play in behind. So it's it it's all yeah. You can always work it out. You just have to do your job and then work hard, and hopefully the rest will follow. I'm quite fast, so I, I can run in behind. I can obviously I'm big as well, so balls in the air. I can win my aerial battles as well, and yeah, the physical stuff. Playing in England, playing here last year, you have to be strong because the centre backs are the most of the time <laughs> the biggest on the pitch, so you have to be able to to battle with them as well. So stand your ground, otherwise they'll bully you. And as a striker, you don't want to be bullied. You need to bully them. So yeah, I don't mind either. I can play on the ground, as you could see. A Range Rovers played footballing. Um, a lot of football last season, so that that showed as well that that I'm capable, more than capable as well. So I don't mind either. I'm just versatile. And what the manager asked of me, I'll try and do it at the best of my ability. To be honest, I saw the league last year. I didn't really think too much of it because obviously Hearts was a clear favorite, but the rest everyone could do. Um, and you could see towards the end, there was like five, four, five teams still trying to get into that top top three spot the, behind Hearts. So. And and as you said last season, the team that came down, Kilmarnock is I think in a rebuilt season. A lot of players yeah. gone, 
So mm -hmm. it's not the same as last year. Obviously, you can't say it's bad, but you can't say it's good either because we don't know. And mm -hmm. Hamilton was bottom of the league. So, so you can't say that's great either because if you want to go up, you should be able to be better than the team that was bottom last year. So, so for us, there's more than enough confidence, I feel like. And I know it, the, the run um, Inverness had towards the end of the season last season was also a very strong run. So if they could take that, we could take that into this year and start off very strong, then anything is possible. Because I know if you start off well, like, um, start off well the season, then who knows where, where it can take you. For you this season, are you the sort of player that sets yourself goals and targets or is it just take every game by as it comes and see how you go on? For me personally, I always have like a target, short-term and a long-term target. So hopefully with the short-term ones, you achieve the long-term ones. So I just start off with the short-term ones and then hopefully... And that's why I don't like speaking out on them because if you speak out on them and they don't come to pass, it's more of a letdown for you and for the world as well because you spoke out on it so for me I just keep it to myself and then hopefully I achieve them Okay I will have to ask you to target man so 25 goals before Christmas okay That's perfect Good man mate okay, I'll, <laughs> are we going, yeah. are we going, Are we going for 15 this season or something <laughs> Well no okay you, you generally slow down so we'll do 35 so we'll do 25 before Christmas and 10 after okay Deal? Okay Okay Okay. okay, I'll try you, my you, best. I'll try you my said best. It, you said it in the podcast, you have to make it happen, mate, but... <laughs> <laughs> mate. <laughs> 10 goals in 28 matches for Wraith last season, and also a scoring record of 33 and 39 games for Hayes and Yedding in the Conference South over a couple of, couple of seasons. This does look like a really good signing on paper. He's done well against us last season. What role do we see the count playing? I think it's easy just to say he's going to be the target man and maybe a foil for Billy up front. Um, but, yeah, I mean, interviewing him there, he, he, he was on fire. I mean, I think those 10 goals were all, all, all in the bag by October, November. And, yeah, he's obviously had a fallen out with McGlynn somewhere. He didn't really allude to it. But, yeah, they stopped playing him after Christmas time. And if he if he was playing the second half of the season, we sort of alluded that he would get his record tally for goals in the form that he was in. I think there was some reports he was been linked with Premier League clubs around Christmas time last year. Something's happened, so, but yeah, I, I see him as a good fall for for Billy, for Billy McKay. I think they'll play off each other well, and I hope he's just not a big target man. I mean, it's easy to put him in that bracket, but it looks like he's good, good feet as well. Well, he's, he, what he does have that previous target men we've had doesn't is pace, and we have yeah. lacked pace in central areas. I think, I mean, obviously Shane's got no pace. Toddy wasn't the quickest. Jordan White was slower in a week in jail, so it's going to be nice. Um, to to have that as an outlet, um, and from his interview, you know, he talked about the positive energy in the squad as well, and he just sounded really up for it. He sounded really keen on this as an opportunity. Um, I saw him at Forest for forty five minutes, and he was super enthusiastic, running the channels, getting involved in everything. Also, competes in the physical side of the game, like he said. So, I, I see him more as a, as an all rounder than a target man at this point. I think it's really interesting you're saying that, actually, because all the Wraith Rover supporters on Pine and Bovril, admittedly probably quite embittered, um, are very, very critical of him. You know, they all, they all agree that he had an excellent start to the season, that he wasn't that great from January onwards. Some of them are saying that he was apparently affected by COVID or long COVID, but others are kind of talking about attitude player, attitude problem, training, ground bust up and all this sort of stuff. 
what you mentioned about his pace and his enthusiasm is interesting because there were a couple of people saying that he doesn't move that much and he doesn't chase down balls. He wants the ball directly to feet. Um, now, that might just be, again, because he either wasn't fully fit towards the end of last season. It could be to do with you know a breakdown team. But even if he is someone that doesn't particularly want to chase the ball around, that might not be a bad thing because Todd Roth was at his best last season when he stayed put. Well, Billy Dawes managed to turn Toddy into, you know, kind of like well, Ronaldo, basically. So there's no reason why he couldn't maybe potentially do the same with Duku. Well, what I particularly enjoyed was uh, that, that game at Forest, Ross, when Duku did score that penalty to put us 2 up. Are you taking the piss out of my Twitter? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I managed to make really nice videos of both penalties, but I, I thought... Uh, I thought Sean Welsh had scored his um, and tweeted that out. And I saw Sean Welsh the next day in Walker Park. And, uh, yeah, he assures me that uh, he didn't score the rebound. So By the way, are, you, the tweet. are you stalking Sean Welsh or something? You keep meeting him in public parks. Well, park, me and Sean yeah. Welsh just have similar Sunday afternoons, like a couple ah. of tinnies in the park while the kids... Uh, no, Sean Welsh wasn't drinking tinnies in the park. I take that back. <laughs> Only I was. All right, let's, <laughs> let's, uh, let's move on to somebody that's less familiar. Um, Rhys McAleer, 19 years old, central midfielder, came through Motherwell Academy before reported 200,000 moved to Norwich in 2019. He played for Scotland under 16, 17 and 18s. A great many things have come from Norwich. Delia Smith, Alan Partridge, Mylene Class from Hearsay. Um, do, you expect, <laughs> do you expect a lot from him? I like the fact that we've signed someone for our strongest area because... His competition, obviously, for Allardyce, Welsh and McGregor, for a start. If he if he plays, then you have to, to assume that he's very, very good because I think those players are excellent, you know, not to mention the fact that Carson could come back in there. So I, I quite like that fact. I like the fact that we've got competition in there. But other other than that, I know nothing about him. Yeah, I don't think this boy's going to start, but he's got a good pedigree and, yeah, um, always a good option off the bench by the, by the looks of it. I do kind of wonder if maybe there's plans afoot to play Rory McGregor wide right more often because he did kind of end the season on the right side of the pitch a lot of the time so maybe this is just kind of additional numbers for the centre of the pitch especially if Carson as well continues to kind of play it um, right back. Okay and added to the first team uh, congratulations to all these boys will be youth players Ethan Cairns, Robbie Thompson, Lewis Nicholson, uh, Ali Riddle and Harry Henham. Uh, love Love the latter's name there. Congratulations to all of them. Do we know anything about them, guys? Uh, and how have they fared in pre-season, Ross? Um, so again, with only the... Well, I didn't make the Clark game. It's only the Forest game to work on. Actually, in that game, both Dees and Devine were out injured. So Nicholson and Fife were our, uh, our first-choice centre-back pairing. Fortunately, they've both filled up. And they uh, filled out, rather. And they both look like centre-halves. They're men. They're big, strong men. And they understood each other. They talked to each other really well. Um, they had the boy Riddle at left back, who's a bit slighter, but had a really good game. And then Lewis Hyde played right back before stepping into midfield. And what a fucking unit that boy is now at 19 yeah, or whatever he is. Has he got bigger, um, isn't he? No. Yeah, oh, he's big and strong. He's um, yep. a very interesting player. Um, he, looked, he looked good in the starters when he was bits and pieces at the start of last uh, Last season, I think he was quite good on the ball, and that's so interesting to hear that he's filled out. That's, that's and then in the well. attacking areas, the boy uh, Robbie Thompson <laughs> basically played off the striker, and he is 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 a boy. He's a skinny wee boy. He looked like he wasn't going to get into the game, but then he did, and he won both penalties. And he's just tenacious and skillful, and looks really interesting, but not a first team player yet. Then the Hennen plays in the uh, can can play either side as a wide player. 
um, and looks like a good skillful player as well. So just another bunch of additions through the youth system. It's fantastic, isn't it? Power of work that um, Charlie Christie and, and Ryan Ace and everybody's doing there. So well done to them. And um, before we finish off this section, um, there's still there's still maybe a couple of spaces to be filled in the squad. There's some um, speculation over some players. Uh, we line from from each of you on who you think might come in, what position you'd like to see somebody, or comment on one of the uh, one of the potentials. It's got to be centre half, surely, as as the position of of most not necessarily urgency but priority. Um, I, I think Danny Devine did very well last season. I think Robbie Dees um, is clearly a, a, an excellent player who's only going to get better. I just think the best ICT teams have had an experienced, calm head at the back who can talk people through games. You know, the likes of da- Darren Dodds, um, Bobby Mann, obviously, earlier on, and um, uh, kind of like Grant Monroe latterly, you know, before he moved on. And I think we need that sort of player. If Callum Morris who has been rumoured, um, could stay fit. He would be an absolutely outstanding signing, I think. But the issue, obviously, is with his fitness. Um, Explain who he is for people that Carl don't Morris, know. Um, ex of Dunfermline, and I can't remember who else has been at County for about, about the last couple of seasons. The big boy in Waterloo, even this is Jevin. Big Jevin is still on trial, and I've never, never met a Jevin before. But, yeah, Russell Anderson's son is still on trial, so he's getting an extra week, so that could be a... Signing at the buy, but I think is he a centre back, Stevie? Yeah, yeah, centre half, yeah. yeah. But um, I think we need experience, though. Um, although Devine's not young, I still like the idea of having someone with older years to maybe play alongside these with Devine well, back. And the answer to all our prayers, and nobody said it yet, is of course Kirk Broadfoot. <laughs> and imagine the fun a man who never gets injured, who even survived an exploding egg from a microwave, <laughs> um, without, <laughs> without being out injured. And and imagine the fun that Moff could have with 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 Star Trek references alongside his Star Wars references. Ah, oh, Captain Kirk, fantastic. God. Um, okay, um, that's the end of that section. I will point out, Stevie, that uh, the name Jevin was the name of a character in Only Fools and Horses. Rodney's mate. There you go. So Russell Anderson must be a must be a big Only Fools <laughs> Only Fools fan. I'd yeah, he's delighted. a bit bigger as well. I would equally be, I would equally be delighted if we signed if we signed this Jevin for <laughs> numerous only fools and horse references, which the majority of our listeners will not get. Right, coming up next, um, those that have left us. For McDonald, I'm the castle, Liberty's men, we cheese hustle, Jenny Heavers, CCTV, PC's pizzas, Judas, City, Farland Park, the library, Spectrum Center, the Mulgy Story, Cali Thistle, the Golden Mile, Music Center, Matalan. Goodbye to quite a few favourites. Toddy, off to Dunfermline, he played a uh, number 10 shirt in a friendly forum. Uh, Peter Grant's wanting to play on the ball in the deck, create chances. Could he potentially have the season of his life this season? He's not necessarily a target man, but he's good in the ground. And I think last season, as we've talked about, he looked increasingly impressive as a finisher as the season went on. One thing, though, is he's actually got pretty strong competition up front at Dunfermline. It's the area that they're strongest in. Um, Kevin O'Hara's there, obviously. Craig Whiten is there. They've signed him permanently now. So not he's not necessarily guaranteed to be a starter. you know. But then that's no different to his... You know, position with us last season, so we'll see. Stevie, is is it right? He's he was offered a contract by the club. Uh, I think it was an improved contract, but he's moved due to sort of geographical family reasons more than the contract offer. Am I right? Yeah, he's he's wife's from Edinburgh, and obviously he's got a young baby and was born in Inverness. But yeah, similar to maybe the Brad situation that we'll talk about later. But yeah, I think the location of the film was was a pool. But I'm not 
I'm not, I'm not too gutted that he's gone, but good luck to him. All right, young Dan Mackay, he's off to Hibs. He's um, scored in a, in a friendly, I think, possibly against Don Firmland, a uh, closed doors game. Uh, he's likened himself to a young Martin Boyle in interviews. Did you see him breaking into the Hibs 11 this season or getting a, a wee run of games? I think it'll be tough for him. Um, I think he's done well to get the move, and I mean, the last three months of the season, Dan Mackay's a revelation and stuff. And for a guy that was at Elgin the season before last, and I think this was a make or break season for him, he's He's brilliant and yeah, great guy to interview and he's he's done well to get a move there, but I can't see him breaking in right away. But he's got he's got all the attributes that would, would be a crowd pleaser at Hibs. I mean, look at Boyle, he's got pace. If he can add a little bit more clinical sort of delivery and finishing to his game, then yeah, you never know. But it's a good move, but it might take a little while for him to, to break in. Well, his finish against um Dunfermline and that friendly was pretty clinical. I don't know if anyone's seen it. Hibs put it on their um yeah. Twitter account. Uh, nice little through ball, and he just kind of does a well, almost like a classic Dan McKay, just bursting into the box, just um, slides the ball past the keeper. It's a lovely finish. Um, I mean, part of me thinks I don't really Scott care. Allen as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Part yep. part of me kind of thinks I don't really care how he does because he doesn't play for us anymore. But I mean, have we got a sell on fee? In which case, I might change my opinion. All right, Brad McKay, he's off to Falkirk um, after what five seasons with us, I think. Um, he already won League One with the Pars before. Uh, he came to us, so he's proven that level. I think he didn't want to le- really leave the club, but did want to get closer to our family after the pandemic. So um, he could potentially have another championship winning season at that level, couldn't he? Nope. No way. Falkirk are a mess. Um, they're having to overhaul an inadequate squad for the umpteenth season. We've got a new manager who hasn't been a manager for several years. Um, their support is notoriously impatient and demanding, which doesn't do a player like Brad who's trying to find his feet any good. Uh, and they're going to have to compete with Cove and Queen's Park, who are just chucking money at it. Um, Falker can be going to be third at best, I think, um, and they'll probably stay down. Um, Brad, I think, did well last season for us, especially when he became captain. You know, I, I was really impressed with you know how he how he kind of stepped up. You know, and and, and our defence was excellent last season. So I'm glad he kind of left us on on something of a high, even if the team as a whole you know underperformed slightly. Um, I hope he does well, but he's he's not winning the championship with Falkirk. Yeah, must be any other season. I probably wouldn't have been too fussed about Brad moving on, but as Ay says, towards the end, especially towards the end of the season, both him and Divine seemed to strike out a pretty decent partnership. Um, but I guess, you know, similar to Tori, with family reasons being the main driver for him wanting to move back down south, you know, fair enough. Good luck to the guy. He's got a great deal at Falkirk. Not many players get given uh, three year deals, um, especially in kind of League One, um, unless you're Cove and you're just chucking money about as if it's, you know, nothing. Um, so, yeah, good, good luck to the guy. Um, but as we talked about earlier, we, I think we definitely need another centre back now. Um, so, yeah, hopefully we can get someone in to replace him. Just a, f- a few words and, and on, to summarise, I suppose, Brad's four years with us. Um, he, he hasn't always been the most popular player. And I think he's suffered from the fact that he made quite a lot of costly mistakes. Um, a lot of his goal uh, mistakes were quite obvious and led to goals. Whereas actually, if you take that out, he was pretty steady for us. He was a, he was a steady, reliable guy to be there and he really excelled actually under McCann at the end and at centre back there. I think he did he did yeah. have a wee run of games and he was playing as well as he's ever played for us when he's left. But yeah, he absolutely 
leaves, I think, with almost everybody that I've spoken to is good wishes just off the back of yeah. his, his reliability and service to the club over a difficult period. He was actually, I think he was actually offered a contract and he turned it down. Um, some players that weren't offered a contract, uh, we'll just touch on them because we really need to, is um, club legend James Vincent, um, also Miles Story. Both of them have gone to Hereford um, in the Conference North. Yeah. And Kevin McHattie, uh, currently a free agent, but I think he might have been offered a contract by Brecon. Um They've sort of left under a wee bit of a, of a cloud, haven't they, Stevie? So we're going to be sitting down with Binion in the next couple of weeks, so I don't want to talk about the rumours and what's we said. I'd rather get it from him, but yeah, to be true, I'd be disappointed in the way that the club handled his release. Um, the story one's a bit different, I think. As far as I know, we did offer him something, but we just didn't make it public. and. Obviously, Mel's jumped the gun a little bit and going on social media. So I don't know what's happened there. Maybe that's agents playing devil's advocate. But yeah, but if, any, if anyone, I'd like to hear what he's got to say. And uh, yeah, I'd like to hear it from his mouth, to be honest, because it's not, it's not nice if it's true what I've heard. Um, and whilst you can criticise Story for his lack of a, a final ball into the box and some of his finishing was a bit wayward, what you can't say um, bad about him is he worked bloody hard for that team. Yeah. Um, he got up and down. He, you know, he would get forward to try and support the attack. He would get back and support his right or left back whenever he could. Um, I'm a little bit sorry to see him go, um, but at the same time, you know, I don't think he was a, a, a critical player to re- to retain at the same time. He's a he's a pacey number nine that misses nine out of every nine one on ones he gets. <laughs> what about Kevin McCarthy? Uh, it's a hard luck story there, isn't it? Where... How many games did Kevin play over? for three seasons, didn't we? Really? Well, he had a, I believe he had a hip operation, and I think he's requiring another, um, another yeah. hip operation. Yeah, he just seemed to be struck with injury after injury, and I, I think when Mihai got fit, I think he looked alright at left back. I mean, even he's in, even a left sided sort of centre half, he's he's good in the ball and he's got a good left peg, but just riddled injuries, and yeah, yeah. I'd look for him. Yeah, uh, and finally, as James Keatings begins the next chapter of his championship career with Ruth Rovers this time, uh, is this a potential hate-stroke-boo figure for Cali away days when they finally reappear on the horizon? We've seen some of Keith's mates. Um, I don't think there'll be many booing going on because... Uh, ben Woods will batter you. Uh, so he'll come for some and, uh, yeah, you as well, why before you start booing him because you're a hate figure. So, yeah, don't come from. But I'm not. Absolutely <laughs> not. I, I was going to say we should, we should sort of meh him because he's a kind of a, he's a, kind of a meh figure. Yeah. I think it's, it just, it's, I don't think he fulfilled the potential we all thought he could do. I mean, I was excited when we signed him, but yeah, he, 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 he seems to be... He's a mercenary. Funny. He's a mercenary, isn't he? He's a mercenary of the championship. Absolutely, yeah. He, go, he goes from club to club, but I, I, don't, think, I, don't, I don't think that's a bad thing. I just think that we thought he was a difference, difference-making player, you know, and he wasn't really. You know, he's obviously a skillful player, but and he's had, he's had a few issues with injuries and stuff like that. He did you know, have some wonderful finishes for us, and you're thinking, like, that um, overhead kick against Park Thistle down at Firhill was, um, was superb. But that was the thing. We, we only saw it in kind of um, you know, yeah. sporadic, moments unfortunately um, we, we've definitely not seen the best of him during his time at Inverness and it does appear that after he signed up pre-contract the club took the huff with him and just refused to play him anymore um, yeah. maybe with some other transfers it's um, it's hard not to think there's more going on behind the scenes than we, than we know about Okay yeah. well throughout the new season we'll be hopefully revisiting some former fan favourites in a new feature that doesn't currently have a name but might be called Where Are They Now or Happy Endings with Josh Meekings Thank you.
Okay, now on to this season's championship and another ill-informed club-by-club analysis of our competitors. Let's kick it off with the two newcomers from the promised land. Kilmarnock, the oldest professional club in Scotland, 17,000-seater stadium. I know most people would not assume they would have 17,000 seats. 28 consecutive years in the top flight. Can they be stopped? I don't think that. I think they'll either be amazing or absolutely bollocks, to be honest. I think there's a massive overhaul there by right, And they've made some good signings. I mean, you look at it like, Standout for me, Naismith coming in, who I'd, who I'd love to see in Inverness. I think he'd be a great signing for them. But, yeah, it's it's we find out. If you, if you don't hit the ground running when you come down, then it's it's a long way back. And I think Kamarnock, they may be a standout team on paper, but I think they'll struggle, in my opinion. I think there's too much change going on there. And uh, they'll have, obviously, the, the demands of a, a pretty decent fan base there. And uh, I think they'll struggle. I think they might struggle to win it, um, but I still would have them as narrow favourites. I I agree with you absolutely that the huge turnover of players is a big issue, but their signings are definitely the best, you know, of of um, of any club at this level. You know, if we'd been getting Stephen McGinn and Ewan Murray and um, you know Naismith and um, who's the other one here? Um, Robinson's a good signing for them. Robinson's good signing. Well, yeah, you know, so. These are signings. I mean, Polly, I don't think we need, but he's obviously he's obviously an excellent player. We'd be pretty excited by that, I think. You know, Um, so I think I think their signings have definitely been the highest quality of any club in the league. But it's it's making them gel. And can Tommy Wright do that? And is Wright as good a manager as we think he is, or is it just that he was at a St. Johnson that is excellent right through the whole system? I think the big turnaround in players at Killy is. is a good move. I think we've seen the weight of relegation on a squad quite often carries it down the table, leads to a bad start. And if you can turn around the playing staff straight away, you might give yourself the best chance of avoiding that kind of downward momentum. Uh, I'm intrigued to see how Polworth does, not mainly because obviously former Inverness player, uh, also because last time he was in the championship, he recorded something like 21 assists throughout the course of the season but the main reason is um, having taken to social media to slag off Motherwell has been a shithole I'm quite intrigued to see what Mrs Polworth thinks of Kilmarnock um, after a few months there <laughs> uh, Right, Hamilton like Scotland feeling to qualify for the next round or Robbo signing a big strike each summer it was inevitable Hamilton are finally down how is their squad looking chaps will they be relying solely on youth and is their pitch still on a par with that old sand based astro thing at the sports centre uh, I think you've got to assume they're either going to sign a lot more players or they are going to rely heavily on youth and they better hope that the youth coming through is very good. Um, signing so far, Keaton McDonald from Wraith Rovers, a decent player, a guy called Shields from Rangers, who I don't know anything about. And they've just signed Andy Ryan, who started off with them, but has been at Sterling Albion the last few seasons. I mean, that doesn't suggest any ambition at all. The only thing I think in their favour at the moment is that um, the only players who've lost so far that are getting big names are Ross Callahan, who's gone to County, and Bruce Anderson's gone back to Aberdeen. Um, they've still got Jamie Hamilton, they've still got Scott McMahon, they've still got Hakan Madolphin, and if they keep those players, then along with the likes of Templeton and Easton and Lewis Smith, they've actually got a decent first 11, but I'm not, I'm not sure they are going to keep those players, so you've got to assume they're going to bring people in. And also, I know Brian Rice used to be, you know, with ICT, but I just don't, he doesn't convince me at all. You know, I mean, that Hamilton squad stayed up under Martin Canning, you know, who was pretty uninspired. 
Rice brings in Charlie Trafford as a Premiership player, for God's sake. You know, I, and, and any interview you see with him, he never seems to have much coherence in what he's saying. So, yeah, I, th- I think it's a struggle. Well, yeah. let's move on to Wraith Rovers. 14 players in all have departed. Um, their squad's been... Uh, their, their, their high-achieving squad has been decimated, as predicted, uh, including talismanic Regan Hendry, um, Fernandi Mendy, and alleged casual racist Ian Davidson, who has retired. Um, did they have... Yeah, you notice the, the key word there. Uh, did they have their chance last season? And is this now a season of restructure for the Rovers? Yeah, I think Wraith will be mid-table at best, I think, this year. Maybe, maybe make the playoffs at a push, but... Yeah, solid signings. Obviously, we spoke about um, Keaton's come in. Zanat is one of the players I always like, but he never really, he never really fills the potential. But I always think he's he's on the on the cusp of something. Chris Obera is oh, that's, that's just an old McGlynn old pals actor, isn't it? But yeah, I don't I don't see race being a threat. Um, but yeah, they won't go down either. Right, uh, Don Fermlin. Uh, we all thought it was going to be a bit of Deutschmark's East End Park, but did they seem to have more of the air of the Weimar Republic? Don't they? Why free transfers, loan loan agents, uh, and Dan Pybus from Queens. Do Peter Grant and underwhelming go hand in hand? And how much is this good news for us? I think we've always been quite uh, generous to Peter Grant in, on this pod in the past because he's played quite attractive football with Aloha. But again, I mean, I'm assuming they're going to make more signings as well, like Hamilton, because if not, then they're really, really short. They've lost a lot of players. Uh, you know, obviously McManus, Turner, um, for just, just to you and Murray, obviously, is a big one. I think the starting eleven is okay. Up front, Kevin O'Hara, Craig White and Todd Ruff are okay. Dom Thomas is a good player, but they're really, really weak at the back. And yeah, looking at what they've brought in, yeah, just two strikers um so far and a goalkeeper. Um so yeah, if they don't make signings, uh, they are mid table at best probably. And you're starting to see their supporters worrying about that as well. Well, I also apologise because I think I uh, mispronounced Weimar Republic, didn't I? What did you say? I think I said Weimar. <laughs> Weiner, <laughs> that's like an version, isn't it? Weiner, the Weiner. To be fair, I'm suffering from from sleep deprivation, so I even when I'm reading something, I can't. The Weiner, the Weiner Republic. That's Ross yeah. and Cromery. Okay, Queen's seventeen players have left, including Naughty Naughty, which is a huge disappointment for fans of early '90s electronic dance music. Um, God, if you're a Queen's fan, is there anything to look forward to? Who could be brought in? Someone from Fourth or Peter Head? Actually, yeah, I think if you're a Queen's fan you can be quite optimistic. I think there's a philosophy going on here. So they've brought in Josh Ray from Peterhead, Paul Mackay and Ali Roy from Airdrie, Josh Todd from Falkirk, a guy called Beatty from Forfar. They've also brought in Lee Conley from Alaba, Rudy Payton from Stranraer, and a guy called Ruben Soros Jr. from Billericay. They all fit a pattern. They're all young, promising players from a slightly lower level. Whereas last season, they were relying really strongly on loans. I think it looks like um, Alan, um, oh Christ, what's his name again? Johnson. Alan Johnson. Johnson. Alan Johnson. Sorry, Alan Johnson has got a really clear idea of what he wants to do, and it might not work. But certainly, um, Rudy Payton apparently is really highly regarded by the Stranraer players, and Lee Conley, you know, was decent. You know, was seen as a decent player at Alawa. So I think they've got a, you know, a vision of sort of building a young team the way that we did similarly last season with um, guys like Harper coming through, guys like Dees coming in and Allardyce, you know, um, they might, you know, they might kind of be mid-table or whatever. But I think if you're a Queen supporter, you're thinking that this looks like a solid piece of long-term planning. So I think they're, they're actually very interesting looking team. All right, are both seven players left, uh, but they're all loan signings. So they've still got a very settled squad. They've brought in who? Cal Mantel from Edinburgh City. 
Uh, Nicky Lowe has made his move permanent. And they've brought back Gavin Swanky, 37-year-old Gavin Swanky, I believe. Um, pretty much pretty, pretty much going to be the same as last season for them, was it? Same Liam Henderson as well, who I always liked at Embraer City, scored a barrel of goals at that level. But yeah, you, you worry about Abroad because they've not got a lot of players, but they'll probably get the best manager in the league, though. And uh, but Hooker Creek will stay up. And uh, yeah, I always like Abroad. They're good away day, and uh, Bit Campbell plays some good football. So I'm sure they'll get a few lone boys in. They obviously may raid Aberdeen for a few young boys, and yeah, they seem to have done well. So I think they'll, be, they'll stay up, but they won't be anywhere near the playoffs. Here's an intriguing one. Apparently, they had on trial last Wednesday against Crossgate's Primrose, Lewis Toshney. No, he's, he's, he's a manager now, and he's a junior football manager, no? No, they did, they did have a lot Apparently, downfield are a complete state, and Toshney is maybe not as done as he thought he was. But I think they look settled. Um, they've got that core of part-time players who don't want to step up. Um, and they've got lone players coming through, and the only disruption seems to be the lone players. And I, I really hope they do stay up because we've been in this league with them two seasons now, and we've had one away day. So I want to extract at least three more away days out of our growth. It's not fair. We were looking forward to it. And yeah, right. Here we are two years on, having been there once and got utterly gubbed on that day. Uh, okay, uh, air. Um... Ten out and five in, four of which seem to have come as a job lot from Greenock Morton as uh, Hopkins does his best to reassemble his high-achieving Port Glasgow posse in the Ayrshire countryside. They're going to be absolute shit, aren't they? Uh, they're my tips to go down. I think they'll be horse. Either them or Morton. They've got, seems, I mean, yeah, you said on a little um, job swap there, aren't they, between the two, but... Yeah, I think I think signers on paper look rotten. Um, don't rate the manager, and I think they will be uh, they'll be down there. I think it's a really really bad policy to sign players uh, from a club who were doing very little for you when you were yeah. their manager. Mm-hmm. And Morton themselves, with the iconic Titan crane towering over Capolo, they are surely the titans of underachievement who offer nothing to this league. Get them out as well. Do you want to hear? Do you want to hear what their finishes have been this century? I'll read them. Nine ninth, right? So 9, 8, 6, 8, 7, 8, 2, 10, 5, 5, 4, 5, 5, 6, 6. Well, the 2 was obviously in the third tier after they'd been relegated. Um, no, I love Morton. I love going there. I don't want them to go down. I, I love the stadium. I know we talk about the Norsemen a lot, but it's a really cool stadium. I want to get into that terrace in at some point. Yeah, about to go, no, yeah. A big game them. against Morton where they open the terrace in for us. I really want that to happen. But looking at their signings, Jesus Christ, they look sunk, don't they? Do they? Really do. Why? Why? Because they've well, they've well, lost well, about ten well, players and signed yeah, two, and they didn't right. have a, anything of a squad to speak of last season okay, anyway. They, right, they've lost ten players that most of them they thought were shit. Right, the players they brought in, Alan Lithgow, will absolutely stroll it at this level. He was, <sighs> you know, he he was excellent for Livingston all the way up until last season when he dropped out of the first team. Right. Uku from Wraith Rovers, all the Wraith Rovers supporters say that he was better than Duku for us. Mark Russell didn't do well at Falkirk, but was excellent for Martin before that, and he did well at Finn Harps, right? The only thing you can say about their signings is that there's not really enough of them. I suspect that Gus McPherson's going to go for four or five more, and if they're of the same quality as those, then I think Martin are going to be better this season. Okay, let's move on. Finally, the third newcomers to the league, some gang of students calling themselves Thistle, coming up from the seaside leagues and managed by a guy whose biggest achievement in Scottish football is having a nickname associated with Fecal Matter. What are they going to do? It'll be dark horses, I think. Since he's a bounce again, like we talked about with Air Livingston and 
race, but yeah, some good signings. I mean, the boy Tiffany's a great signing. Zach Rudden, I think, will be a really, really important player for them. And yeah, they've got a good, they've got a good balance between. I mean, you get Richard Foster still there, who's what thirty-five maybe, but still capable. And yeah, it seems like a good balance between youth and, and uh, experience. And Richard Foster, get him the fuck off the radio for God's sake. I mean, as if there's not enough enough bland pundits with nothing to say, now we have to put up with Ricky Foster and his wife on off the ball the so, other day. I think you've been slightly dismissive of uh, Amy McDonald. Yeah, I like him. I'm a fanboy. Uh, I would call I would call Ricky Foster Amy McDonald's husband more than I would call her his wife. Uh, okay, um, that's the opposition. Somebody mentioned odds: Kilmarnock five to four, Hamilton four to one, we're eleven to two, Dunfermline eight to one, Partick nine to one, Wraith nine to one, Air twenty eight to one, Arbroath, Morton, and Queen of the South fifty to one. Any surprises in those odds? Hamilton. It's extremely generous for Hamilton, I would say. Yeah, that's lazy. Swap, swap Hamilton and Partick, I think, and you've got more realistic odds. Mm. Partick Thistle at 9 to 1 is worth it, isn't it? Very good. I, I put money on that. 11-2 for us, we're above Dunfermline, it's quite a... I think 11-2 for us is are actually decent odds as well. I think we are, I suppose to be champions, you know, but I, I think we're one of the three best squads at the moment. It's, it's worth it, isn't it? It's worth a yeah. tenner for 20 quid. Yeah. Okay, that's the opposition. Beatable. <laughs> Football's back, the clacker of studs under the tunnel, the steam rising from your bobro, the cry of the seagulls overhead, the thudum of your seat, men running around in haphazard style, and the people that you meet. Um, Tuesday the 13th, Peterhead at home in the League Cup, and then a mere four days later, Saturday the 17th, Sterling at home, the fans are back, it's not quite Budapest, but there will be 1,000 people at each of these games, hopefully. Does the result matter in these games or is this more about the occasion and all that that means? You'd obviously like to do well in the League Cup but I don't really care to be honest uh, if we do go out um, I'll be a little bit frustrated as soon as we struggle to make it past the first round for what the uh, sorry the group stages for what the last what five four or five years something like that but the, you know as always the league is our focus uh, maybe a decent Scottish Cup run would be good so um, all, all I want is a couple of good performances, maybe a couple of wins. If we go through, great. If we don't, so be it. If we're not beating Peterhead and Sterling, then that means probably that we're not having a good start to the season. So, I mean, obviously you want performances, but if we're struggling to beat those teams, it'll mean that performances aren't right. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping for a strong start. Um, I, I won't be able to make either game, but as a season ticket holder, I fully expect to be offered the all singing, all dancing, ICT TV package in advance of these games. Looking forward to that. And Tuesday the 20th, Cove away. It should be the first away game of the season, you know. Such a shame when there'll be the triumvirate of hate figures and Vigers, Draper and, and Paul Hartley. And I'm, I'm pretty positive there'll not be any away fans at it, will there? I'm going. I don't care what the rules are. I'm still going. If I'm playing forward, I don't think Ross Draper's a hate figure. Vigers is. Absolutely. But not Draper. It'll be interesting to see how the Ross County old boys get on against each yeah. other. You want to be beating Cove, though, just for the point mm. you were going on about earlier, stuff about they just one of these Gretna S teams chucking money at it. And it's yeah. just, it's not the way football should be done. You don't want to be getting beat by, beaten by teams. It just it does wind me up a oh, bit. If we are set up right, we should be beating both Peterhead and Sterling comfortably. None of this pish like the 0 0 against Cowden beating Peterhead in the last two seasons. There's been that 1 0 against these five last season. We should be like going out there really aggressively. Two good strikers, two good wingers, very solid continuity in the midfield from last week, beating from last season rather, beating these teams by three or four, and then going into the cold game on a high 
and they're sitting there with their, you know, their overpriced, overpaid, um, vastly overextended contract players like Vigers and Draper there creaking in the middle. Guys like Meganson and Fivey that have kind of taken an easy option and gone down and think they're better than they are. And we should be absolutely hammering them. And then we've got nine points before we go in against Hart yeah. and we can just enjoy the Hearts game. Yeah, bang on. So that game against Hearts on Sunday the 25th, I think it's on the telly, I believe. So it might be the first chance that the majority of us of ICT fans will, will get to watch dodgeball in action. It'll certainly be, certainly be the only chance I'll have uh, until I can watch ICT TV um, having my wife just had our second child. So I'll see everyone at a game in about six months. Um, her second child. Our second child, what can I say? <laughs> first, did I say her second child? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's mine. Hopefully it's mine as well. Uh, but with the league, the league starting, I think Andrew makes a good point, and the league starting the week after this, this is a really good fixture to get the performance levels up, regardless of the result, isn't it? I, th- I see a wee theme emerging here, which is that we all welcome Dodd's appointment, but expectations are pretty high. We're expecting the Dodd's appointment to result in a good start, and we want to see that in the League Cup. The theme across the conversation certainly seems to be a, an expectation of a good start. I don't know if that's maybe tied to the fact that we've signed, as mentioned earlier, you know, players who are known to us. Maybe that's kind of heightened the expectations somewhat. It's, yeah. I think it's partly that, and it's also partly that we have signed in the positions, with the exception perhaps of central defence, we've signed in the positions that we know we needed to sign in. And I think it looks like a squad that's better balanced and where players know exactly where they're supposed to be playing. So you kind of feel like the team should kind of go in there with a, with a shape and a purpose that it maybe didn't have in the early games last season. Okay, and finally on to, I can't believe I'm saying this, on to league business. And as we begin what will hopefully be the club's first full season in three years. Um, yeah. There you go. So 36 league matches. Uh, something we'll all be slavering at right? now, but, but moaning about once we've played Queen's three times before Christmas. Um, Saturday the 31st of July. It's our both away. It's only the first game, but how important is this uh, in terms of setting our levels? I think we've talked about, talked about this already, to be honest, but um, Dodge doesn't really have that excuse in terms of a comparison with other new gaffers because he was, he was in and, and he knows the players already. Um, it, it just has to be a win or both the way, yep. doesn't it? I think this on paper looks like the best chance of a result from an opener in the, all five seasons we've been, we've been back, actually in the Championship. Our record in the four previous seasons is one win, which was again away against Falkirk. I think, you know, looking at the Arbor squad, looking at our squad, we should be looking to win this and win this convincingly. Saturday the 7th, Wraith at home, uh, a win against the depleted Wraith Rovers. I just have a nagging feeling that James Keatons is going to like do something like yeah. really special and we're all going to be left thinking, why did you not do that against us? And we might just end up drawing that one, which wouldn't be a terrible result, um, to be fair. Saturday 21st, Ayr at home, uh, playing more, t- sorry, Ayr. Uh, David Hopkins, you, you know the tactics, you know the players. Uh, do we need to cover this? this? This is a win. This is a win? This is a win, yeah. Yep. Yeah, uh, nine points. And then that gears us up with nine points uh, on the table for Saturday 29th and Killy away. And I'm really hoping that some of us can get to go to this game. Um, what are the chances? Even if we don't get to go to the game, we're still going to Andrew's long-promised pyjama party in the back of it. Uh, Andrew Young, that is, who lives, who lives near uh, Kilmarnock. So but I'm, I'm starting to get worried listening to this conversation. We're talking about nine points. Well, he's he's starting to get points. worried because he thinks that pyjama party invitations to all our listeners. Well, <laughs> what happens if we go to Kilmarnock <laughs> with two points and then get hammered? Is that four games in and we're shouting for... Uh, for the head of our Ayrshire son. 
That'll be our typical slow start, won't it? Well, the defining seasons in our history have had good starts, or at least mm-hmm. two of them. I mean, the, the season we went up under Robbo, the previous season under Pele, two of the greatest seasons in our history had good starts. And the season um, that we finished third and won the Cup also had an incredible start. And so we, we've got three or four good starts in our history out of 26. So we've had, you know, 23 or 22 bad starts. But you know, um, I I don't like I don't like this good starts chat because it's not it's not in our DNA as a club. It depends on circumstances. It's expectation um, levels. It's about uh, we've been down in the doldrums for far too bloody long. We should not, be getting seven or nine points. Seven points minimum, but we should be willing to get nine points in the first month. That's got to be it's a, it's a caveat. If you look at the squads just now, we've got yeah. one of the two or three best squads in the league as it stands. That mm-hmm. might change. But at the moment, we do have that. So yeah. why not? You know, and it doesn't matter. I mean, if we we could say you know anything about how we're going to start, and if people want Billy Dodd's head in a poll after three results, they'll want it in a poll after three results, whether or not the winner shuffle says we're going to start brilliantly or we're going to take no points out of you know thirty six. It's the first realistic prospect for a lot of fans to believe that they are going to get back into a football stadium to see their team play. Something as I said already that so many people have not had the chance to for so long. Um, and, and it's hard not to get caught up in that, and it's hard not to maybe start feeling a bit romantic about your team's opportunities this season, and that's probably replicated throughout the entire division, and, and indeed mo- across most of the country. Um, so, yeah, I mean, why, why not get swept up in the optimism yeah. and, and just try and enjoy you know, the kind of build-up and, and, and maybe just start dreaming for a little bit? Why not? What, what harm does it do? I'm, I'm ending it on that. So positivity from Sutherland. I love it. Doesn't happen often. <laughs> I did a podcast here. Is that? It's Andrew Sutherland, the happy mailman. What? How many? How many letters do you have for me? <laughs> uh, I've got a few. Starting off with Chris Grant, um, with the squad for once, uh, looking like genuine title contenders. Is this a realistic expectation? Considering this is going to be probably the most competitive championship since we've come down. We've kind of covered that, but do you think are are we going to win the league? Basically. I'm going to say we'll come second, but I think we've got a better chance in the last two or three years um, than we've had, you know, sorry, yeah, we'll, we'll, just we've had in the last two or three years. Yeah, we'll compete. I'm, I'm, I think I'm AY. We'll be top three, but we'll compete. I think we'll, I think we'll win the league if we don't have a blip within the first two rounds of matches. Moff has predicted us to win the league in each of the three <laughs> seasons of this podcast. <laughs> That's what, what, last season of Hearts, did I? Maybe not. Certainly on the first podcast you did. And last season, eh, you were pretty hopeful. Well, I, I said fifth last season, Moff said fourth, and we weren't far away. Okay, uh, Gregor Cunningham, uh, who's going to be our best signing? Oh, it's just based on who we've picked up so far. Gardine. Gardine. I'm going to say Billy Mackay. Yeah, mm-hmm. Billy Mackay for me as well. Yeah. Uh, Kurt Broadfoot. <laughs> Get in the bin. Um, Scott Bambi, uh, away day you're looking forward to the least. Hamilton, yeah. I actually uh, Hamilton and... because of their. Ah, they've got a good pub called The Vaults. <laughs> you find a good pub in Hamilton. Ah, yeah. I was in there with Jimmy Calderwood last time we played them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Fraser, see, what do you think our strongest 11 is going to be? Rangers? Yep. Carson? Harper. Harper and Carson and, and Devine. He's, He's as it is now. Yeah. yeah. Mm. I would say Welsh and Allardyce, Walsh and Gardine as a winger is probably. Mm-hmm. Roddy. Duku. I, I'm not sure Roddy actually gets in, although I think he's, you know, I think Roddy over the course of the season might end up replacing one of the two centre mids, but 
I think I think Walsh and Walsh and Garten probably be the wingers. Yeah. And Duku, Duku and Mackay. Okay. It's all right, yeah. Well, there you go, it's your mailbag. <clears throat> Thank you very much. I'm gonna be nice to you this this season. Okay, uh, competition time. Before we go, we've amassed a number of items from various players over the past week while. So all you need to do to win uh, Miles Story's jockstrap is... Uh, what What have we got, Riley? I hope we've not got that. Have we got that yet? Well, you just gave away next month's prize there, Moss. So yeah, we'll be, I'll, send, I'll send it back to Hereford now. Um, I'll listen to it first. But no, we're going to go with um, a match-worn uh, Daniel Mackay shirt, uh, who obviously oh, left it for him. But yeah, Daniel was nice enough to send it down. Signed both sides of the shirt. And... Uh, it could be a good prize for some some listener because uh, he may hit the ground running at Hibs and it may come of value. So yeah, we'll get a last season's home shirt. Yeah, his home shirt, I believe. So all you, all you need to do to be able to win it is follow us on Twitter uh, and like and retweet our initial post signposting you to this very pre-season pod. Do those three things and you can be in it to win it when we do our next pod and announce the winner. Um, before we go, quick fire, right? An old quick fire four. Player most looking forward to seeing in action this season. Go, Anthony McDonald, because we didn't see enough of him previously. Tom Walsh. Everyone loves a winger flying down the the flanks and sending lovely cross balls in to be headed home. Billy Mackay to throw back. Let's let's see those goals of old again. Um, with Stevie Billy Mackay, natural goal scorer. Can't wait to see it. Grounds you're most looking forward to going to when we can go to grounds. For hell for me, um, AY's old stomping ground. I think for an away day. Best pubs, love the West End, and yeah, pretty good ground to go to. Palmerston, where uh, Riley seems to age about 20 years any time he visits. Uh, Rugby Park, I think, great pubs and a good ground. I can't really split uh, Capilo, Somerset, and Gayfield as just three fantastic old school grounds that I can't wait to visit again. Team you really want to beat, and why? Hamilton, because just they've been responsible for so many really depressing results against us in the past few years. Every right. single one of them. Don't firmly for me, I like to see Germans cry again. Specifically, the, that first away day at Kilmarnock at the end of August, it's going to be a big occasion. If we can get away fans in, there'll be a good few hundred of us, and it, it would be so great to win that game. Boozer, you want to be in before the first home game that you go to. Black Hill Bar for me. I like my Ponzi Craft beers and the uh, best pub in town. Got to be the market bar. It's, it's the best pub in town. It's just that it's Inverness for me right there. Uh, it's got to be the Innes for me. It's a kind of a tradition. Me and my mates have been going there for years before Inverness game. So, yeah, I'll be quite happy to get back there and supping on a nice, cool, crisp pint of Strombo dark fruits. Fucking hell. <laughs> uh, Phoenix. One word for me, Phoenix. Right, that's, that's all from us for this uh, season preview pod. We'll be back in a few weeks when we are hopefully top of the league. But if we're not, then at least some of us will have gone to some games. Not for me, probably sadly, and not for Stevie, but... Uh, you know, we will be very happily covered in covered in nappies. Uh, so I'll leave you, I'll leave you with those images. Uh, it's goodbye from all the boys. Goodbye from me. It's good to be back. Take care of yourself and each other, and bye for now. Yep, yep.